people say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jeremy and team. You know, I know in this 21st century, we do not know nor comprehend what an absolute monarch or absolute authority is all about. The very fact that 25% of the population in America wants socialism, they have either forgotten or don't know what totalitarianism is all about. Most of us today think of monarchy as we see in Europe. It was known as constitutional monarchy. Very little power. Their power is mostly ceremonial. Their control or influence is mostly on an advisory capacity. Their rule is mostly symbolic. And because of our experience, the current experience, uh, in not knowing what an absolute sovereign king is all about, we often think of King Jesus in the same way, that he is just an advisor, that he is, King Jesus is just there to accommodate to us, that he is there to help us only when we need him, uh, that he is the one to whom we pray, and we pay homage, or maybe not an acquaintance with him once a week on a Sunday morning in church. But when the Bible speaks of the Christ the King, it means that he has absolute power over us. It means that he has absolute control over us. It means that he has absolute authority over every aspect of our lives. It means that He is the only one to whom we fully surrender and crown Him on a daily basis and obey Him. And because of these distinctives of the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ, for a long time, He would not allow people during his public ministry to call him king. For three, almost a third of a year, he would not allow anyone to call him king. In fact, in John 12, they wanted to make him king by force after he fed the 5,000. They want to make him king by force, but he refused and he waited until Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, the very first Palm Sunday, was the first time during his public ministry the Lord Jesus Christ allowed the crowd to call him king for the first time. On that first Palm Sunday, for the first time in his earthly ministry, he was allowed them to crown him king of all. Here is the irony. On the day of his coronation, King Jesus wept. But that's not where I'm going, because I preached a message not long ago about the day Jesus wept in the day of His coronation. You can download it. But why would He weep? Because He knew that in four days' time, in four days' time, the same people who are saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, are going to say, crucify Him, crucify Him, and they're going to reject their Savior King. I want to digress just for a moment or two. For the sake of our young people in the church, 
They don't teach this stuff in schools anymore. I want to divert, just digress for a few moments. I'll let you know about a little part of American history. It's no longer taught in school, but you will hear it because it's the truth. The founders of this great nation, to which I'm very indebted to be an immigrant here, the great founders, the founders of this great nation refused to have a king when they could have had a king. They refused to have a king, and their refrain was, we will have no king but Jesus. We have no king but Jesus. Say that with me. We have no king but Jesus. Here's the irony. While Jerusalem was destroyed by 70 A.D., totally destroyed because they have rejected the King, Messiah, Savior, Lord Jesus, America has been blessed for hundreds of years because they declared Jesus to be their king. Amen belongs here. <laughs> I love to always remind you of these historic facts because, as I said, today our generation that are rising, like in the book of Judges, a new generation that are rising and not know the Lord. We have a generation that has arisen, does not know that the Lord is the Lord of this nation. Now, to be sure, history books have shown us that mighty earthly kings and emperors have risen and have vanished, leaving nothing behind but ruins, but not King Jesus. Say that with me, but not King Jesus. Earthly kings have come and have gone. Few, if any, left an impact, a, a lasting impact, but not… You got it. So many earthly kings pretended to be benevolent, uh, only for us to discover how wicked they were, but not so… Some earthly kings appeared to be dynamic, turned out to be destructive but not so. King Jesus was before all of eternity. King Jesus is sovereign. He is king over His subjects. He has authority over His subject. King Jesus will forever be king and master, and that nothing and no one can ever change that. The difference between now being the king over His subjects, and in the future, in the day when He comes back to reign and rule, is that um, while He reigns and rule over the hearts of those who love Him today, but the day is coming when the whole world will recognize and acknowledge King Jesus. Did you know that? Uh, the day is coming when, whether they like it or not, they will confess King Jesus. For the Bible said, every knee every knee, black knee, white knee, yellow knee, green knee, every knee shall bow at the name of Jesus, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. King Jesus. King Jesus is not only an eternal king, but He is incomparable with any earthly king. For He is the King of all kings. Uh, to be sure, like other kings, He expects allegiance from His subjects. Yeah, to be sure, that's, that, that is absolutely true. But He never extracts it out of us. Uh, like other kings, He has weapons, but they're not bullets and guns. His weapon is a weapon of love. 
like other kings, Jesus has power, but He uses it to save His subjects. Like other kings, Jesus sits on a throne, uh, but only for the good of those who love Him. And so, on this Palm Sunday, as we come to celebrate King Jesus, I want to remind you, He was no earthly king. He was no, cannot compare Him with an earthly king, for He is the king of the universe. He is the only king who was born a king. See, all the other royalties, they get born as princes or princesses, but Jesus is the only one who was born a king. Uh, for he was the only king whose coming was foretold thousands of years before he was born. He's the only king who fulfilled all of the dreams and the aspirations of his people, those who are his subjects. And that is why the prophet Zechariah, who lived and prophesied hundreds of years before Christ was born in Bethlehem of Judea, he could prophesy and predict precisely with details how he's going to enter into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. Zechariah 9.9, and if you don't have your own Bible, in the church Bible is 1480, page 1480. It's a very simple one. Zechariah 9.9, can you say that? Zechariah. You can't miss it. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. Underline that verse in your Bible, because you'll find that this verse, this verse contrasts Jesus, King Jesus, with all other kings. Not only that, but this day, which we call Palm Sunday, and we wave the palm branch. It was not always known as Palm Sunday, but later on in the church it became known as Palm Sunday. That Sunday, that Palm Sunday, stands in contrast with the previous three and a third of a year of His public ministry. For three years, as I said earlier, Jesus went about His ministry quietly. He avoided publicity. He shunned popularity. He often spent time alone with the Father. He often spent time alone with His disciples. But five days, five days before His crucifixion, all of that has changed. All of that has changed. This day, He enters Jerusalem as God's Messiah. He enters Jerusalem as God's Redeemer King. He enters Jerusalem as the divine Son of God who existed with the Father before all worlds. On this day, He enters Jerusalem as the ruling monarch. And that is why Zechariah said, see, your king comes to you. Now, the word king, it's really fascinating. There are some words that you find them, the same words in all three Semitic languages, Arabic, Aramaic, and Hebrew. And the word king is the same word in all three languages. Amazing, one of the few. It means malik, or literally means, uh, malik means the one who's able, or the one who can. <laughs> what does that mean to you today when you get up at four morning and go to work? What does that mean to you? It means that King Jesus is able to come and reign and rule in the lives of those who invite Him. It means that King Jesus is able to come 
and defeat sin and temptation in the lives of those who love Him. It means that King Jesus is able to come and deliver us from the oppression of sin, that King Jesus is able to defend the helpless subjects. King Jesus is able to come and break the chains of bondage, that King Jesus is able to come to the desperate and to the discouraged subjects and give them joy, that King Jesus is able to come to the fearful and the frightened of His subjects and fill them with faith. It means that He is able to come to the lonely subjects and let them enjoy royal companionship. King Jesus is able to come to the anxious and the worried of His subjects and rule over their circumstances. Can I get an amen? The prophet Zechariah said, see your king comes to you. But you know, I must admit, those of you who have known me for all these years, you know this. Those of you who are visiting, you may not know this. I have actually no greater love or speaking about anything as, lo- as I love speaking about Jesus. No other subject. No other kind. Everything has to do with Jesus. In my life and in my preaching in the past 50 years, I have no greater love. But and I could go on for hours, but I need to discipline myself for your sake, because I know you don't have that kind of attention span. And so I discipline myself. And I want to tell you four things about King Jesus. Are you ready? I want to tell you four things. King Jesus was anticipated. Secondly, King Jesus was announced. And thirdly, King Jesus was acclaimed. And finally, King Jesus is above all. Now, if you don't get those four A's, I can't help you. I worked hard on them. (laughs) So, can you say them with me? Anticipate. Praise God. You see, He, Jesus did not just appear in a vacuum. It's not like those founders of religions who didn't have a thing to do and then confused and frustrated and depressed and went to the mountain and they said, what do I do? What do I do? And they came back and said, I saw a revelation. Somebody told me something. <laughs> uh, not like that. He has been anticipated for thousands of years. From Genesis, which is the first book in the Old Testament, for those of you who don't know, all the way to Malachi, which is the last book in the Old Testament, The coming of Jesus has been anticipated hundreds of times in details of His birth and crucifixion, even entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. For example, in Genesis 49, the Bible tells us that He's the only king whose scepter will never depart from His hand. In the book of Numbers chapter 24, He's the only king whose eternal domain is unquestioned. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, it tells us that he's the only king whose kingdom is forever. In Psalm 2, the Bible tells us that he's the only king who's anointed king by God the Father himself. In in Psalm 144, it tells us that he's the only king to whom all kings shall bow. 
In Isaiah 2, it tells us that he's the only king whose reign is in complete righteousness. He is the only king whose kingdom has no geographical boundary. And in Jeremiah 23, that tells us that he's the only king who is over all of the universe. And in Ezekiel 21 and 28, it tells us that he's the only king who rules over all kings. And in Daniel chapter 2, it tells us that he's the only king who, at whose feet all em- umpires are going to uh, uh, crumble and bow. In Malachi chapter 2, it tells us that he's the only king who has supernatural strength, supernatural power. And in, uh, in Zechariah 14:9, it tells us he's the only king over all the earth. The question is, is he your king? Is he your king? Is he the king of your life? Is he your king? Only you can answer that. Only you can answer that. See, the king, King Jesus, was anticipated. Secondly, he was announced. See, the Old Testament foretold about his coming. The New Testament is enthralled to announce and to talk about him being here. He's arrived. In the Old Testament, we see a partial portrait of Jesus, King Jesus. But in the New Testament, we see a historic portrait. I'm going to say more about this, actually, on Good Friday at 5.30. Come and be prepared to hear about the cross in the Old Testament. And that is why Matthew refers to Him as King 14 times. Mark refers to Him as King six times. Luke, five times. And in John, 14 times. In the New Testament, the, the New Testament announced that His supernatural nature, the New Testament announces His universal scope of His reign and rule. The New Testament announces His power that emanates from Himself. The New Testament announced that His victory is over all oppression. And that is why on Palm Sunday, King Jesus rode unto Jerusalem not to conquer it, no, 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 but to conquer hearts and wills with the power of His love. Don't ever forget, don't ever forget, the earthly kings, emperors, dictators, despots, they lord it over people. But King Jesus compels us with His sacrificial love. Can I get an amen? See, today Western governments in Europe and even in the United States and Canada, they're terrified of Islamists and Islamist terrorists. Listen carefully. I always make the distinction between Islamists, that's political Islam, and the Muslims. I don't, I don't confuse those two. I have some Muslim friends. We're reaching Muslims with their love of Christ, many of them coming to Christ in large numbers, for which I bow before God in thanksgiving. But you see, in Europe, one of the heads of the states with whom I was 18 months ago in the Middle East, he asked me the question, took me aside. He said, explain to me, you know the West, you know the East. (laughs) Why? Why are the Europeans so terrified of, and, and this man is a Muslim himself, why are they terrified of Islamic terrorists? Well, what do you say? You know, Mr. President, you are such a courageous man, they're not, which is the truth, actually. 
Today, Western governments, Western media, they're terrified. They ingratiate themselves. They, they, they really accommodate. They, they're terrified. And the reason they're terrified, they, they think that if they say anything negative, or even if it's truthful, they're going to be blown to bits. My wife and I were in England last November, and we're sitting down with the most, most prominent uh, Christian businessman in all of England. And my colleague and my wife were there, and I was talking to him, and I was talking to him, and he looked at me and said, Michael, just because you're a fearless man, it doesn't mean everybody else like you. Let me tell you something. I'm a coward without Jesus. Don't hesitate to say amen to that. I am. But they're terrified. They're terrified. Oh, but you mock Jesus. And you mock his followers, that's just dandy. It's just dandy. Why? Because they know that we, like our king, will keep on loving them no matter what they say. That's why they know. Um, because, you see, they reject Jesus as he is described, as he's explained, as he's announced in the New Testament. So they mock him without fear. Now, <laughs> Here's what they don't understand, but you do. Here's what they don't understand, no comprehend. Beloved, listen to me. Judgment Day is on its way. Judgment Day is on its way. When King Jesus was announced during his earthly life, he had nowhere to lay his head. You see, he healed the sick without a fee. He fed the hungry without a charge. He bound the broken hearts by the power of His mercy. He stilled the storm with the word of His mouth. He raised the dead by the authority of His divine office. He merely invites people to come to Him and receive His kingship, receive His salvation, to come to Him and be eternally saved, come to Him and surrender to Him. He, that's all He does. He never held the sword. He never stuck the sword to somebody's face and said, believe in me or else. He's never, never, never used His power to force people to believe in Him. He never compelled anyone against their will to believe in Him. He only invites he only invites, and that's why he's a free game. They mock him. They mock his name in the movies, on television, and throughout the Western world. Question, have you accepted his invitation? He only invites. He said, I'm standing on the door and knocking. If anyone opens, I'll come in. Have you accepted his invitation? Wouldn't that be a, a tremendous tragedy that we take in the gospel 13,000 times a week to the ends of the earth, and somebody sitting here have never committed their life to Jesus Christ? That's a tragedy of all proportion. Have you accepted his invitation? You can today. You can today. King Jesus was anticipated. King Jesus was announced King Jesus as acclaimed. Some years ago, my wife and I saw a movie entitled The King's Speech. Some of you have seen it. He's the father of current Queen Elizabeth, King George VI. And he, in that film, was showing how he worked so hard 
so diligently to overcome speech impediment. He really did not want to be a king, but his older brother abdicated, so he was forced into it. And he was going through all this trouble and working hard and working diligently so that he may give the speech of his life. And he did. But, beloved, listen to me. When the king of kings gave his first speech on the earth, it was only a few words. few words. We thought about Abraham Lincoln's short speech. Listen, the shortest speech king ever delivered was Jesus. It's in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. The kingdom of God is here. Therefore, repent and believe the good news. Isn't that profound? <laughs> you have to have a long speech. It's a very short speech. The divine royal king is here. Come to him while you can. The king of all kings is here to rule not over some geographical location, but rule over the hearts of those who surrender to him. The royal king of heaven is here, not on a chariot that pull with horses, but on a donkey. Why? Ah, because the Bible said he rides the clouds to the help of his people. Remember that on that very first Sunday, Palm Sunday, on that very first Palm Sunday, the crowd, the masses cried out, Hosanna! Hosanna! Can you say it with me? Hosanna. It means save now. That's what it means. In fact, unbeknown to them, they were proclaiming and fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah. <laughs> they were acclaiming that which was anticipated for many generations from the time of Adam and Eve. They were saying that the king whose love woos us is here. The king whose sacrifice will redeem us is here. The king whose power will conquer our will is here. The king whose strength will carry us through life's hardships, is here. The king whose might will empower us to defeat sin and Satan and death is here. The king whose gracious invitation to us will allow us to reign and rule with him over the whole universe for all of eternity. He is here. The question again, is he your king? Is he your king? He can be today if you accept His gracious invitation. He'll never force you. He'll compel you with His love. King Jesus was what? What's the first one? There you go. You can cheat on this thing. That's all right. King Jesus was what? King Jesus was? King Jesus was? And finally, fourthly, King Jesus is above all. He's above all. In the book of Revelation, it makes it so clear. It makes it so clear that King Jesus is above all. King Jesus is preeminent. King Jesus has no equal. Has no equal. The crowns in the book of Revelation, they indicate or represent his constitutional authority. 
The diadems in the book of Revelation, they represent His absolute power. The crowns are the symbol of His conquering of sin and death and Satan. The diadems speak of Him having no rival. Amazing to me, I was just reading in my daily devotion. Those of you following the daily chronological Bible with me, you remember last week we were reading about how King David, when he defeated all of his enemies, he took a, 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 a crown of pure gold with precious stones, and he placed it on his own head. When Ptolemy defeated Antioch, he actually put two crowns on his head, one of Egypt and one of Asia. In 1385, when the uh, Prince of Wales, uh, uh, after victory in the Battle of Kersey, he adopted the crown of John the Bohemian. But listen, I'm not going to give you a history lesson. <laughs> when divine King Jesus won the victory on the cross, He was crowned by God the Father Himself. Amen. What does that mean? What does that mean? He said, Michael, what does that mean when I'm facing all these problems in my life? I want you to listen very carefully. First of all, I'm going to come to that, but listen. It means that when a misguided soul says to you, always read to, lead to God, all religions lead to God, what do you say to them? No. What do you say? No. Only King Jesus is the King of all kings. When a misinformed or an ignorant person says to you, Jesus is just the founder of a religion, just like the founders of the other religions, what do you say? No. My God the Father crowned my God the Son to be king of all kings. Uh, when some pseudo-intellectual tries to intimidate you and tells you that Jesus was just a merely good man, you say what? No. no. King Jesus is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. When a clueless person, who may stick the word reverend before their name, tells you that Jesus was merely a good role model for sentimentality of accepting sin, you say what? No. King Jesus is the only righteous king, and He makes His subject to be righteous. And if someone asks you, why should I let Jesus, or why is He the King of the universe? You know what to tell them? Tell them the reason He's the King of the universe, because He is superior in His character. He is infinite in His wisdom. He is divine in His nature. He is perfect in His knowledge. He is complete in His power. He is pure in His lineage. He is righteous in His personality. He is just in all of His rulings. And then invite them to come to Him. And if they say to you, why should I do that? Here's what you need to tell them. You need to tell them because He is matchless in His superiority. He is bountiful in His blessings. He is glorious in His splendor. He is impeccable in His reasoning. He is immaculate in His birth. He is matchless in His resurrection. And He is from eternity to eternity, from everlasting to everlasting, He is the Alpha and the Omega. Amen. 
Dr. John Henry Jowett is a preacher from yesteryears in London, England. There's a contemporary with Spurgeon and all these big names you hear in London. And Dr. Jowett tells of an incident in which he was involved personally that he observed personally, and that was uh, the coronation of King George V, that is the grandfather of Queen Elizabeth, just to kind of get you the Georges all confused here. And he was invited to that coronation service, and he, where he, from his vantage point, he said in the beginning of the sermon, he got all, all the uh, dukes and the duchess and the earls and the prince and princesses and all those people, they would start coming in. There's a whole lot of bowing and scraping and, and a whole lot of acknowledging and nodding. And, uh, but when the king arrived, he said, there was a hush upon the audience. Every eye was on the king. All dignitaries faded into the background. All the attention was upon the king. Now, beloved, listen to me. I'm getting close to the end. I hope I haven't missed, lost any of you. Have I lost any of you? You're not going to admit it anyway. <laughs> but listen. Listen to me. In a far, 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 how many far? Far greater way when King Jesus, who is above all, when King Jesus, who is preeminent in His sovereignty, when King Jesus is manifested with all of His splendor and power and glory, all the kings of the earth are going to bow down to Him. All the mighty and the powerful will prostrate themselves before Him. All the celebrities and all the famous people, they will fall on the ground before Him. I want to tell you the greatest problem that the church of Jesus Christ has today. The greatest problem, and I'm talking about the church in general, not a local church. Our greatest problem is not the militant media. Our greatest problem is not the atheists. They actually command my sympathy. They're blind. Our greatest problem is not the agnostics. I weep over their blindness and their doubt. Our greatest problem is not the antagonistic secular society. No, 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 no. They're not the problem of the church. They really are not. Listen to me. Listen to me. The greatest problem today is those who claim to be subject of King Jesus, and yet they have lost their sense of awe and reverence to their king. That is the problem. And beloved, so many are praying for a revival. There can be no revival until God's people begin to restore the sense of awe, the awesomeness of our King Jesus. Until we regain that sense of awe and reverence, 
Today, most churches said, your friend Jesus, take, take him along the way as your friend. He's, he's that to me. He's that to most of those who know him. But he's more than just a friend. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's to be bowed to. He's been reverenced. Zechariah said, see, your king comes to you riding on a donkey. Why donkey? Why not white horse like all the other kings? Uh, because his unquestioned humility became complete. Of course, you know that leaving the splendor of heaven and laying aside this, the, 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 the trappings of his splendor and power, not his divinity, he never laid that aside, and coming to earth and having nowhere to lay his head, dying on a cross, a criminal's cross, rising again. That's the ultimate in humility. But in order to fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah, he rides on a donkey. And that is why, you know, when those miserable Pharisees and Sadducees, you know, you see it actually in the text. When they said, when they heard people saying, Hosanna, 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 blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, these Pharisees and Sadducees. A friend of mine in Australia, he said, the Sadducees are really, their name is, they are sad, you see. <laughs> they didn't believe in the resurrection. They are sad, you see. When they came to Jesus, said, silence them. Silence them. Let them not say that. Jesus said to them, if they were silent, the rocks will cry out. The rocks will cry out. We're going to sing a wonderful song as we go out on it, one of my favorites. I'm not going to let a rock praise God for me. Amen. Today, when you think of all the forces, all the forces, I mean, they're countless. They're trying to silence the Christian believers with all the forces that want to silence the name of Jesus from public life, with all the many forces that want to remove the crosses from public eye, the many former Christian schools that are now seeking to muffle the message of Christ, even if they succeed in silencing some of the voices, the rocks will cry out. Today, more than ever, Listen to me, please. Listen to my plea. If I have one more day to live, I would make the same plea. More than ever, those who love Jesus, who claim to love Jesus, those who say Jesus is my King, they need to lovingly, listen, lovingly refuse to be silent. Say that with me. Refuse to be silent. We can only be effective, however, because there are so many people who can talk. But if you want to be effective, you have to first crown Him Lord of your heart and Lord of your life. He has to be the King of your home, the King of your business, and the King of your marriage. Remember this as I conclude. I want you to remember this. 
He could not be confounded, for heaven of heavens could not contain him. He could not be elevated, for his throne high above the summit of the universe. He could not be brightened, for he is already brighter than Jasper and Sapphire. And so on Palm Sunday, let me ask you a very personal question. A personal question. It's really you the only one who could answer it. You're the only one. Have you enthroned him to be the absolute sovereign over your life? Have you crowned him to be the absolute sovereign over your family? Have you crowned him to be the absolute sovereign over your business? Have you crowned him to be absolute sovereign to be over your marriage? The reason so many marriages are in trouble is because Jesus is not sovereign over marriages. Is He the absolute sovereign over your finances? Today you can do just that. He's inviting you, and it's up to you if you want to respond. Will you pray with me, please? Whether you have known of Jesus, whether you have known Jesus in a nodding acquaintance way, or have even claimed to know Him for all these years, today you can say to Him, Lord Jesus, King Jesus, I accept your invitation. Come, reign and rule over my life over my family, over my business, over my marriage. And, oh, Lord Jesus, I plead with you to come and be sovereign over this local church. In Jesus' name. And God's people said amen. Amen. Will you stand and sing with us, please?